Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. This is your host, Jasper. Today's guest is Adam Sinkus. Now, Adam is a culture-driven leadership and trainer and consultant. He teaches leaders how they can drive the culture of the business and also how poor culture and leadership can improve productivity and profit. He's worked with uh, companies in many verticals over the last 10 years in leadership and training. In this episode, we are going to cover what are companies doing wrong to drive a good culture? How do leaders play a part into uh, the culture story of their business? How uh, ping pong tables and uh, nap pods have no impact on the culture of the business? And, and also he discusses the, the ACES model, leadership model that he uses. So let's welcome Adam. Well, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I was having a conversation prior to this. Um, I'm very, very curious and very interested. I have a lot of questions for you and, and your opinions on, on um, you know, you are a cultural driven leadership trainer and consultant. And, uh, you know, having myself, having worked as a consultant, as a freelancer um, over the years, I know how massive a difference it makes going into the culture and how how interviews are conducted and how you're brought in and how different it is actually when you start working. So I know how crucial this is and how important this work it is. And even the leadership as well, when they get that wrong, the key thing wrong, the staff turnover can be pretty crazy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you now take over. And uh, yeah, so how would you normally introduce yourself and, and, and what you do? And uh, yeah, let's go, let's go a bit deep, uh, deeper than that. Yeah, so I am a culture-driven leader, right? So my whole goal is to come into organizations and show them that culture really drives from a leadership standpoint instead of from, you know, always the front lines like we expect it to. You know, really the culture at the front lines ends up being a byproduct of what we're doing at the leadership level. And so my goal with organizations is to show them the kind of the light to that, right? That that what they're doing as leaders within the organization is really what's going to drive that and ultimately show them, you know, how much they're losing and customers and productivity and, and all the stuff that goes into their business because they have a staff that isn't, uh, you know, isn't happy to be there. So, so here's my question, a two, two-part question. First and foremost, what was your experience prior to, you know, moving into this space of working? Uh, what was your experience like of, you know, working for organizations if you did and, and kind of picking up, okay, this isn't working and it's not, this is not what I was told. And Yeah. So, you know, my background is in the BPO industry. That's where I got kind of my, my comeuppance in the, uh, in the business world and you know, started out in the line level on the phone for a technical call center. And, uh, you know, so from there, like, I've, this is a culmination of probably 10 years bad leaders watching, uh, watching leaders that were doing it right and, and picking up those pieces that, uh, that I saw. Um, you know, biggest thing, call center is such a volatile industry and then notably has high turnover, just huge amounts of turnover. And so I watched how young leaders that were promoted because they were the best on the phone come in and they like, I'm the leader now. So you're going to do what I say and you're going to do it how I tell you to do it because it's a proven system and I know it works. And so after watching a lot of that in the call center industry, I just, 
I got tired of seeing people sort of speak, you know, just dictate in leadership instead of partner in leadership. And uh, so I've moved up through quality and been in leadership and been a training manager for call centers, done a ton of leadership training in call centers as an employee of, of those companies, and really just decided that, you know, I want to be able to bring this to more people because I, there's more industries, more businesses out there that are doing great things, but just don't have the right people or the right approach in place. Sure. A very interesting, you mentioned about the BPO services and, you know, call centers, because that's how I started my career as well. And I remember first walking into the company and, you know, um, at the same time, on the same day, I remember when I started, about three people were leaving and we were a team of 21 and had a few team leads and there about three of, yeah, about three team leads and there were just 21 team altogether. And three or four people were leaving at the same day. And, uh, and the next person being promoted was exactly that. He takes the best, he or she takes, you know, more calls in the day, uh, come in on time, leave on, you know, a bit later than, than they should. And, you know, that's all good. There is no, there was no sense of, you know, this person kind of has the same values, has the kind of the leadership qualities. None of that is, none of that is considered. Uh, it's, on, it's only the numbers. And throughout my, my career, one, one thing I've noticed is that no one ever, you don't get promoted on, on anything other than your skills. It should be a, a holistic process of, you know, skills, your qualities, your leadership, your values. It should be a lot of that. So, you know, considering that and then keeping that in mind, you know, where do you think companies, what are companies doing wrong to, to drive a good culture and then maintain that? So really the, the biggest fault is this mindset that everything we has to we uh, do has to be focused around the numbers, right? Measuring success is important, no doubt about it. And we need to know what success looks like. But success doesn't have to be a hard, you know, this person can take 25 calls and, you know, take 25 calls and close 10% of them. Like that's successful for the business, but that's not successful for a person, right? For a person, we have to get deeper than that. And we have to think about what does success look like for them? So, you know, I talk to companies a lot about how do you set goals for your team that they want to achieve, right? Because nobody, nobody in the individual contributor role has said, I care about my company making 10% more in revenues this year. So how do we get them to care about the company making 10% more in revenues? Well, we have to tie their goals and their personal aspects of, of what they do into that success plan and show them that if they do this, they get something out of it in return. You know, it's, it's the with them. It's the what's in it for me. And so I, I find companies, you know, are so focused on let's make 10% more. Let's uh, increase our customer base by 5%. Let's drive more profits by being more efficient. You know, all those things are great for the company, but on the individual contributor role, Eh, they don't really matter to to the people doing the work, you know. So, and how do you kind of, you know, from looking from top down, how do you kind of break the goal enough, or or kind of combine the two together? Would you have an example of that where you know, a, you know, let's say we, the goal is on the top is let's increase, uh, you know, we want ten percent more compared to last year, or fifteen or twenty percent. You know, it's great for for the leader of the company, the CEO, the founder, the executives. 
But the people at the bottom, at the individual contributor level, someone on the on the service desk, how does that person, what does it look like for them? Yeah, so really, you know, it starts with a conversation with them, right? We need to know what makes them tick because, you know, for me, like, yeah, you know, I want to be the CEO, you know, the next CEO of Microsoft. That would be awesome, right? Sure. Uh, but not everybody wants that. So I always focus on, what do these people want on an individual level? Let's start there. Let's determine what that looks like for them. You know, so if it's a help desk technician, right, they may want to, uh, you know, their goals may be around developing a coding system that makes software deployment easier, right? You know, and building that system out, right? So how can we then take that goal and tie it into the company objectives. So how can you help our current service system by building something that's going to enhance or automate it to make it more efficient, right? Sure. And so we start walking down that path with them. Start walking down the, what does it look like? Who do we need to get involved? How do we get their attention with it? And start making those things happen. And that's what I talk to the leaders about is, Let's step back and go, what are they trying to do with their own personal success? And how does their personal success tie into the success of the company? Most people want to create something. They want to be appreciated. They want to know that whatever they're contributing to is contributing to a greater good, something beyond them. And you know, ultimately, they want to be treated fairly. So um, I think when you start having the conversation about what do you want as an individual level, it lays a really solid foundation for them to really drive, uh, you know, drive that appreciation and that seeing the greater good of what I'm doing. It takes away the mindset of I'm just showing up to work every day. Sure. And, in, you know, you know, obviously, when you go into an organization, you see um employees there already and then you want to get them trying to get them on board and have a system in place where you do these interviews you do this one-to-one you know um, conversation with them and trying to get see see what where they stand and how can you fit them together with the organization now if someone is trying to if someone's building a team and wants to get a head start you know at the very beginning of the process how do you think an interview is conducted you know so that you can from day one or minute one that you have that conversation, you know this person is the right fit, this person is not the right fit, or you know um, how can we make sure that when they come in, they exactly know what they're doing. So, would you have um, do you have some sort of system or method that that you recommend or or you know I I, I hate communication systems and methods sure. because communication is such an individual thing, and I think you make connections with people on different levels. But genuinely, you know, there's a couple things that I do make sure that I, I approach in all of these conversations. Number one is really just, it's about being transparent, right? So why am I here? What am I looking to do? What do I need your help doing? And just kind of laying out that foundation, right? So, you know, if it's hiring somebody or if it's coming into an organization to get information, you know, it's solely about just being transparent about where we're at and what are we trying to accomplish from this conversation and from the long term moving forward with it right second thing i always ask them their thoughts and opinions on the way things are going now right i find when you include somebody 
in that and, and really listen to what they're saying, they oftentimes already have 90% of the answers for you. They just lack maybe the focus or direction to kind of put it into a neat package that then we can go and present and fix. And, and third, you know, it's all about, you know, establishing the fact that we're here uh, on a partnership. You know, uh, my goal is to oversee the overall direction of this, but my goal is also to make sure that you're involved in the overall direction of this because you're the expert in the space, right? You know, Steve Jobs always says, you know, don't hire smart people and then tell them what to do. Right? I wholeheartedly believe in that. It's the gold standard in how I approach all conversations. And then where do you think the lead, like kind of leaders play into the culture of, uh, you know, in, in your business, the culture story in your business? What part do they play? So they're the, you know, honestly, they're the drivers of it, right? So if you look at, you know, you look at the, the verticals of your company, if you're, you know, you're an individual contributor, and your leader leaves at two o'clock every Friday and only works 35 hours a week. What is your opinion of that leader, right? It's typically going to be they're lazy, they don't work hard, they're just here for the paycheck. So in turn, my perception is going to go, my leader's never going to help me, my leader's never going to put the time and effort into what I need to be successful. And I'm going to have to either hustle to make myself successful here, or I'm just not going to care. And I'll be honest with you, 90% of people, 95% of people are going to be in that second bucket of, I'm just not going to care. I'll find something better where I have a leader that cares about me. So leaders, leaders is, it's all about the perception that they create, right? Are you sitting, sitting behind your desk shouting orders or are you walking around to the team and being engaged in everything that they're doing? Are you having conversations with them? You know, one of the things, uh, one of the big things that I think a lot of leaders miss on is going out and seeking out their team every single day. Not to say, what are you working on and making sure that all the work is getting done, but just to say, hey, good morning. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate your effort. Those little things, when you start doing them consistently, just change the entire mindset of your team because now they feel like you're, you know, you're in it to win it. You're in it to make sure that they're okay and that they're being successful. Yeah, so that's leaders uh, are, are the drivers of culture. The culture itself is the byproduct of what the leaders are doing or not doing. So leadership is instrumental in driving culture. And I think too often we, we separate the conversations. We go, we need to fix culture and we need to fix leadership. And, they're two, and, and it's viewed as two, these two separate pieces but really they're together. And I don't think we're having that conversation enough that leadership and culture is really one thing that we need to address uh, in totality. Right. And, and talking about that, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of companies, especially young companies, SMEs are now looking to the likes of the Google, Googles and the Microsofts and the Apples and thinking we need to adopt their culture rather than really understand what they have, what they're working with, what they are, what's their identity. And, and now they're putting in, you know, things like ping pong tables and nap pods and all of that just to, just to offer that facility. But that isn't just culture. And, and just your view on it, what kind of impact does that have, you know, having those tiny things? Does that really make a difference or it doesn't? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that, right? My, my 2020 campaign uh, is 
down with net pods and ping pong tables. <laughs> they're, they're not fixing culture, right? At the end of the day, you want your people to be productive. And so are you really going to give them the time to go play a half an hour of ping pong on their, out, you know, outside of their hour lunch and their couple of breaks that they're going to take throughout the day? No, you're probably not, right? So does it get used? I see them used all the time, you know, uh, but I, they're, they're not fixing anything. They're not changing anything. Companies like uh, EA Games. Yeah. They're the ones that have figured out culture. They have people working four, 10 hour shifts a day. Their real expectation of work is that you're going to accomplish about 30 hours of work a day. So they are 30 hours work a week. So what they've done is they have actually planned in what they call creative time into your day so that uh, you can work on your own personal projects. You can innovate for, you know, obviously they're game designers. They want them to innovate new games. They have like a whole gaming library and like rec space that they encourage their employees to use. But that's, I think, a unique circumstance that a lot of companies try and mimic that. But the reality is, is they still expect 40 hours of work. And if I'm giving 40, 50 hours of work already, do I really want to stay another five or six hours? in the week just to play ping pong with a couple of my work buddies. Right. And I I think the answer, you know, the answer is no. Most people want to go home and be with their families. Does that kind of, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you, is it also has that negative impact where you think, you know, back in the day when you had a laptop and a phone from a company, you felt really special. Like, you know, you have this and a car as well that, you know, some people do, some consultants do, and you felt really special, but, Sooner, soon you find out it's just for is their way of telling you that you are available to us 24 7 is this another one of those if you like gimmicks where you're saying hey come in and you have work for us and you have all of this and and what they're trying to get out is really squeeze every ounce out of you yeah so um that's one thing i talk to a lot of leaders about is work-life balance right and, and knowing and teaching the the senior leadership teams that it's okay, one, for them to disconnect a little bit. And two, uh, it's okay to let your team disconnect. At eight o'clock on Friday night, even though you think the world is breaking, nothing is going to change until Monday, right? You know, I, I, use, I, I use the funny question, I, and I ask this all the time to, to leaders because they go, but, 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 and I go, is anybody going to die because this system isn't working at eight o'clock on Friday night? And and it it seems extreme, but like, it's just the, it's the humor of, you know, of of decision-making here. You know, if nobody's going to die, the world's not going to end, you know, uh, you know, all the nukes in the world aren't going to go off, right? We can set some of that stuff down and really focus on work-life balance and work on, you know, work on building this into our, our own routines, as well as our team's routines. And changing that kind of mindset of just because I have a laptop and a company issued phone doesn't mean I have to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are those times and that's okay, uh, but it doesn't need to be all the time either. Right. And you use this um, ACS model to, you know, take, yeah. take leadership through, uh, you know, your, your programs. Talk a little bit about that. What, what is it? How does it work? And how does it help? Yeah, so ACES model, uh, you know, is really about 
being a culture-driven leader. So acknowledge or the A part of that is acknowledge, right? And this is talking, this is the communication piece, right? Acknowledging uh, how to have good communication with your team, as well as setting up the foundations of when I have to have those conversations that are uh, a bit more challenging, disciplinary, things like that. Because I find when you when you have a really solid foundation of positive communication with your team, when you do have to step back and go, yeah, we got to talk about how you haven't met your performance goals over the last month. You know, that conversation goes a lot easier because they are they're used to talking to you. It's a bit more conversational. It's a bit bit less uh, feels like I'm going to the principal's office. You know, because they're used to just working with you and and constantly being in communication with you. So the next piece is the C, which is cultivate. Um, This has got a couple of pieces to it. So first, it's about understanding what your team's goals are, right? And and we talked a little bit about this earlier on, but understanding how to take those goals and apply them to what's going on in the organization so that we can build this connectedness with what I want to accomplish as an individual versus what does the organization need to accomplish, right? And so the other part of goals is education and training and teaching and providing the tools for your team to build on those goals, to build education. And really, you know, I I don't know that it's necessarily training the next group of leaders, right? But if you're constantly training your people, your leaders will come out of that. So, you know, Giving them those tools to do that uh, is, you know, just instrumental in their growth and the team's growth as well. So the E comes in to empower. This is where as a leader, you have to learn how to let go, delegate, and empower your team to make that decision on their own. You know, this is the one thing I talk about, like productivity is huge here, right? Because if as a leader, if I have 50 tasks on my table... And, and I can delegate 20 of those off. That means I can focus that much more on those other 30 tasks and find better ways to do them, right? The other thing it means for your team is if I'm empowering my team to make decisions, effective decisions within the organization, now they don't have to stop what they're doing to decide if I'm the decision I'm making is a good one that's going to benefit the organization. And again, I go back to, did anybody die, right? Because most of the decisions that they're making at the line level, you know, don't have a huge impact. And I would, uh, you know, I always tell people if it does, if you feel that it does have a huge impact, let's talk about it first, right? But you need to empower your team to take care of a lot of the work that, that they should be taking care of. It doesn't need to be on your desk as a leader you to do everything. You need to empower them to make decisions on behalf of the organization that are going to be beneficial to the organization. And then the last piece is strengthen. And this is all about celebrating and learning from success. We talk about learning from failure a lot. And and I think you learn a ton from failing, right? Um, I know I have over the years. But I think we can learn just as much if we dive into success the same way. And so when we have successes, we need to stop, pause, and go, why was I successful there? Why were we as a team successful? And what made it a success? And really understand those criteria, because then we can take that and apply it to other things that maybe we weren't as successful in and really drive it through. So, And at the end of the day, right, it's really cool to have a bunch of aces in your organization. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
I like that. That's pretty cool, actually. Bunch of it. So, and and you believe um, that in terms of you know this leadership what has been banded around a lot, and you know do this and do that and read this book and you know go to the seminar and you'll become a leader. How do you actually create more leaders? What, what first of all, what does it mean to you? So creating more leaders um, is about creating the mindset that you you walk into the organization or walk into the people around you and give, you know, 150% of you, not to yourself, not to the organization, but to the people around you, to your team, to whomever you're working with. Being a leader is all about that, right? It's, it's all about giving back. You know, leader is a we game, not an I game. And, uh, and, and so I really, um, you know, developing leaders is all about what do, what do we want to collectively do and how do we focus on being good together? And I think when you focus on that as a leader, those other leaders will start to come out. Not everybody wants to be a leader. There's a lot of people that want to be an individual contributor. I had a, a lady that worked for me for five or six years, but she had been working the same position for uh, like 17 or 18 years, individual contributor role. And she was happy there. She was content. She made enough money to uh, live on. So she was content there. She didn't want to be a leader. She didn't want the headache of dealing with the, you know, uh, the direction of the team and, and the people and all that stuff. That was not her. She just wanted to come in and do her job every day. So do I spend time there you know, developing her as a person? Yes. Do I spend time trying to teach her the let's give back to everybody else and, and, and focus on how to drive the team? No, right? Because I understood what she needed, right? And, and that's when you understand what your team needs, your leaders will come out of that. It, it's just a natural progression. You'll see the people that will step up and go, here's the mentality, here's you know, here's what we're trying to do. You'll, you'll have projects and things like that come up and, and you'll be in the meeting and you'll have the person that raises their hand and goes, I want to leave this objective, right? And so give it to them. Let them go with it. Those are the people that you're going to develop into leaders. Leaders will identify themselves and you just have to cultivate that mindset for them to help them uh, with the tools that they need to effectively lead. Who, in, in your opinion, uh, which organization would you say has the best culture or, or has got it pretty close to perfect? And, and why do you think that is? I guess I'm not quite understanding that question. Uh, in the sense that a, a company you would, um, you know, you have your typical, you know, big ones like Microsoft and Google, and they're very successful. But an organization where you think they've got a spot on in terms of their culture, their leadership, they're, 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 um, they're at the forefront of pretty much everything. People want to work for them, that kind of thing. Who do you, in your opinion, has, has the best or the closest to the best culture? Um, I know it comes from the leadership, like you mentioned. Yeah. But yeah, there must be a model or there must be something you can look and, and think, you know, if I want to build a company, I want, I want it to be like that or very similar to that. So, you know, honestly, I think Apple has wholesomely one of the best cultures around just because they 100% are engaged in people, in the people in the organization. Right. You know, they do hire from outside, don't get me wrong, but 
I would say probably 50 to 60% of their roles, uh, growth roles are filled internally, right? Wow. So project leads, uh, you know, all the people that you see up on stage in, in presentations, I'd say 90% of them have in some way, shape or form worked through the steps of Apple to get to where they're at. They, they didn't just, you know, come in and, and just, you know, automatically become a product lead for a flagship product, right? They, they put in their come up and, you know, they, they empower their people. And I think that's hugely important in, in building culture. When you empower your people constantly and, and you just, you know, live, eat, breathe that mindset, that's what the, the positive culture that results from that is just astounding uh, in what you can accomplish in, in, in an organization. So, you know, I, I, I would say Apple, uh, you know, of, of big companies that, that people would know, Apple's probably at the forefront of culture. You know, I think the big misnomer is that we see in the news, you know, you see, uh, you know, ex-Google employee, ex-Microsoft employee bashes culture. You know, I think we have to separate ourselves from what the media puts out there, what's out on Glassdoor. And we have to intrinsically look at what these companies are really doing. Is Google a leader in, in culture? Probably. Do they have it all right? No, nobody has it all right. But at the end of the day, are they doing positive things and trying to shake the norm of what we consider culture? Yes. You know, Apple, same thing. They're, they're people-centric. They, they're, they're shaping, you know, shaping a future that, that is built around people. And so I think when we, when we look at large companies, we have to step away from all these self-reported pieces of information that make it to the news and go, what is the organization really doing? You know, it, Number one metric in my mind uh, that is a good telltale sign of culture is attrition and turnover, right? So if you have low attrition, low turnover, you probably have a pretty strong culture or you have a bunch of dictator leaders that scare people into not, uh, you know, not leaving because we're going to take everything away, your car, your you know, all that stuff. Right. But I think, I think you're seeing less and less of that. And I think you're seeing more when companies get into this low attrition cycle, it's really because they've figured out how to drive a culture that makes sense for their organization. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Finally, uh, you know, it's the new year. So first of all, happy new year. I should have said at the beginning of the video, uh, <laughs> what's your plan for this year? What's next, next for you? Oh gosh, lots of plans this year. Um, so a uh, big part, you know, big part of 2020 is really just being all in on, on my business and making it my primary source of, of income this year. So we're going to we're going to hustle hard the first part of the year here and make all, make all that happen. But uh, other big plans, uh, I got a book coming out. I don't have an exact date yet. It's still in in the process of being written. but. Uh, on the ACES leadership model. So that'll be coming out later this year. So uh, super excited about that. And uh, hopefully on the forefront here, if I can figure out just uh, how to squeak out, you know, another couple hours in the week, a podcast as well. So Awesome. And how can people find you, connect with you? Uh, so best way to find me and connect with me is LinkedIn. I spend, I'm on there every day. I respond to your, you know, send me a message, connect with me, follow me. Um, you can follow me hashtag Adam bomb 
uh, as well. That's my hashtag that, uh, that everything I post goes under. So find me on there. That's really probably the best way to, uh, best way to get a hold of me. Um, still working on the website. So once that gets live, I'll, you know, I'll uh, make a big announcement on LinkedIn about that as well. So Twitter at Adam Sinkus, you know, but, uh, really again, the best way just LinkedIn or direct email, adam.sinkus at me.com. Uh, you know, let's set some time up to chat. Awesome. Um, any final words before we go? Really, you know, at the end of the day, leadership is just about being people centric. And so if you can really focus on uh, what the people around you are doing and not focus on yourself, that will set you up for success as a leader. So it's my parting thoughts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me. And I uh, look forward to maybe, uh, maybe doing another one of these in the future. Sure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun with your host, Jazzbear. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Also, make sure you to visit www.jazzbearaurora.com to access the show notes. And if you are thinking about uh, starting your business, then take our Escape the 95 survey to see if you're ready. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>